before the fuse is lit, the tape self-destructs. And that a mere five seconds after the message it contained had been played. And that message always concluded with the caveat, if you or any of your IM force is killed or captured, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. And Mr. Phelps had once again heard the words, your mission if you should decide to accept it. Of course, he always did accept it, otherwise we would not have had a television show that week. I suppose there may have been times which we didn't say, see when he said, well, that's just crazy. I'm not going to do that. I'll do the impossible missions, but not the crazy ones. Mission Impossible always began with the same formulaic introduction of the location of the ta tape deck changed every week. I I I've seen uh, the recent movies with Tom Cruise in them. And, uh, and uh, they were full-length features based on the old TV show, a bit over the top, but they were entertaining. But every week, Mr. Phelps and his team managed to complete their assignment within the 60-minute time frame of the show. I haven't watched any of those reruns of the original show, which first aired in 1966, and I don't know what I would think of them today were I to see them, but back then I thought they were great television. An impossible mission given to an extraordinary team of highly skilled and daring individuals working for a good cause. How could you not love that? And I'm surprised I never thought about going into Mission Impossible work myself. And yet, here I am. <laughs> and here are you. Ordinary, average, everyday people trying against our own nature to live out the Christian faith in a world gone crazy with powerful spiritual and physical forces arrayed against us. And on top of that, we have been given our own mission, which may very well seem impossible. We are to take the good news of Jesus Christ to every corner of this globe. Of course, such a mission cannot be given to just one person or one team, and it must be carried out by multiple teams in multiple locations. And it's not the task of an hour or a year nor a decade, but of a lifetime and multiple lifetimes. It has been undertaken by all kinds of people down through the ages, and though we are closer than we once were, we are not yet finished. We've been given the mission, and that, whether we like it or not, but we do have a choice, don't we? We can obey or not, but should you decide to accept you would do well to ask what it looks like if it's carried out as it should be. That'd be a good thing to know, wouldn't it? In the television show, Mr. Phelps and his team were given the mission, but the planning was left to them. Our mission is different. We may do some lower-level strategizing, but the general plan has been mapped out for us. And there are different places in the Bible which talk about this very thing. But the Apostle Paul is 
an example of someone who not only understood God's plan in this matter, but who lived it out in his own life. And Romans 15 is a good overview of the matter from verses uh, 18 through 32. So I, I invite you to join me there again in your own Bibles or follow along as the texts are displayed on the screens on either side of me. Um, when we turn in this text, we learn six things about God's plan for his people when it comes to sharing the gospel. Some of it uh, we understand by what Paul says, and some of it we deduce from his life. We're going to link at each of those six things briefly. And the first thing we'll look at is, is a kind of deduction from Paul's life. It's not difficult to see, and I expect it won't surprise any of us here, but it is God's plan to use established churches to reach their neighbors for Christ. So verse 20 tells us Paul's personal goal when it came to sharing the good news. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that they would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. But then in verse 23 in the beginning of 24, it sounds like he's accomplished what he set out to do in the area where he began his ministry. And so now he would move on to another territory. And we read there in 23, but now that there's no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. Yet you understand, don't you? There were still lots of people in those very regions who had not yet heard about Jesus. Paul had not visited every little town or village. I mean, he could have gone to other places and preached Christ there to those people who had not yet heard, but he had a specific calling from God to plant churches in every major center in the region. It was now their responsibility, the obligation of those very churches which he had planted to reach their neighbors for Christ. Everyone needs to hear about Jesus Paul couldn't reach every single person himself. He knew that. But he could plant churches in strategic locations which would then reach others. And that's what exactly what he had done. So every church whether where Christ and the Bible are honored and obeyed, well, you do understand there are churches there that's no longer true. Places where the Spirit of God no longer dwells, whereas Revelation puts it, the candlestick has been removed from that place. But those which are true to Christ are outposts of the kingdom of God. You can think about uh, like a mighty army stretched out across the globe. We live in what is essentially enemy territory. And we're not taking real estate we're not conquering ground as a normal armory would. No, the kingdom of God it takes people from the kingdom of darkness and brings them into the kingdom of light. The kingdom of God is within the heart of people. And that's what Paul did. And that's what we are to do. Every one of his churches, 
in every one of them. And Christ has placed us strategically where we are so that we can reach our neighbors for him. Every person in every church is placed so that they can reach those around them. Now, I know you might be wondering, if that's the plan, why are there so many churches in one area? And that's probably a pretty good question. But it's obvious, isn't it, that we're not the only church that God is using to reach people uh, with the good news in our own area? And don't you and I rejoice in that? Because we understand that this church all by itself cannot reach all of those people. Not even just in this area. And we know that different churches have different strengths and different characteristics which reach different people. That symbolic picture in chapter 1 of Revelation is Christ stands in the midst of the lampstands, so they can shine their light on him, shows us that it takes all churches to reveal Christ to the world. Even in Paul's day, churches were already being established in near locations to those that he had built to better reach people with the good news. In this very letter to the Romans, Paul tells that Roman church to whom he's writing, to greet the church which met in the home of Priscilla and Aquila who were there in Rome, or at least very near to it. So this church, along with all those around us which honor and obey Christ and his word, well, we're outposts of the kingdom of God, taking the good news to the people around us. Now, there are two more things that I want to say about this which are really important important to you and I, but we're going to come back to them. Uh, First, what I want to do is finish kind of laying out a little bit more of God's general plan for reaching the world for his son. And the first thing that we have noted in the passage that we're looking at is that we, you and I, this church and every church, we have the responsibility of reaching our neighbors with the good news. But our responsibility doesn't end there. We're to be concerned with our neighbors, yes. We're placed here to reach them, but our concern in our heart is not limited to them. We also care about those who don't even have the opportunity to hear. We're to do what we can to reach those people too. Again, this is another deduction from Paul's life. And again, it's not difficult uh, to make the connection Uh, we need to be concerned that those who don't even have the opportunity to hear get that opportunity. And we get that idea from verses 23 and 24. But now there's no more place for me to work in these regions. And since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. See, Paul's going to Spain, and Spain was without the gospel. There were no churches there. Now, he's going to go through Rome, and he wants them to assist him in his mission. Paul's going to a place, uh, an area where Antioch could no longer serve as his home base, and he wants the church in Rome to take that place. 
I have to tell you something. Paul's not being presumptuous here. He simply understands this is the way things work. This is what God expects. This is the way Paul had worked with other churches supporting him as he reached those in need. And this church in Rome, to which he was writing, was a premier church in that area. And it had the resources to send him, to send others if necessary to Spain. Spain doesn't have the gospel. They don't even have the opportunity to hear it, and that's Paul's specialty. But it's also the Roman church's responsibility. You see, we're not just concerned with those who are around us, but also with people in other places who don't even have the opportunity to hear about Jesus. It's God's plan for our church. And every church which honors and obeys Christ and his word to support missionaries, people like Paul. Our motivation comes from this truth, that God so loved the world, he sent his son. And his son sends us. And if we can't go ourselves, if that's not our gift and calling, then we send others. So in the, in the great battles of our world, there are always places which need to be taken. A hill, a bridge, a town, a crossroad, an airfield. The whole army doesn't go. They're engaged in another battle. But if the war is to be won, then some must go. Some must take the risk. The hill or that bridge must be taken, so some are sent. It's the same thing in the kingdom of God. There are dark places in our world, and the light has to be taken there. You and I know that. We may not be able to go, but we can and we must help those whom God has called. But, but if we send them, if we assist them, if we help them on, our, on their way, that means fewer resources for us to reach our neighbors. People, good people that love, that we love, and that love the Lord, who have a heart to reach the lost, leave us and go elsewhere. And when we're going to have less money to do ministry right here in our backyard, when we often feel as though we can't do the things we want to do. That's what we have to remember. There is a bigger picture, a bigger plan that our God sees, and he sees it all, and he directs us where he will. And through that, as we obey God, we learn, we discover what we really need to know, and that is that we can rely on God. We dare not rely on our own resources, whether it's people or money. That God knows exactly what needs to be done. And he will supply what we need to do it when we need to do it. That's what we learn from this. Now, I, I, I know it's also true that we as a church support missionaries who go to places where there are already existing churches. But those other churches aren't reaching everyone in that area if they're reaching anyone. God has brought those people whom we as a church have sent out. 
He's brought them our way, and we have felt God's leading to support that. That's part of who we are. It's what it means to be a Christian, to have a desire for the gospel to be taken to those places which don't have the opportunity to hear. And this church, along with all those around us which honor and obey Christ and his word, we do that as we continue being ourselves outposts of the kingdom, taking the good news to the people around us. Now, we still have to go back to the first point we made about reaching our neighbors. But again, before we do that, I'd like to look at two other things in our text, which um, will be true if we uh, really have the kind of heart which cares, truly cares, about reaching the lost. Say, if you and I have a heart for the lost, then we will be generous with our resources. Another deduction from the text. Paul just stated he was go to Rome and, uh, and then to Spain. But in verse 25 and following, he says, Now, however, I'm on, on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it. Indeed, they owe it to them. For the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessing, and they owe it to the Jews to share with them in the material blessing. Now, I know there's an awful lot going on there. But for the Romans, they're seeing an example of the sacrificial giving of those in Macedonia and Cai. And, and Paul will soon go to Rome, hoping for their assistance to go to Spain. You see, when, when we care about something, we're going to invest in it. If we really care about it, we'll sacrifice for it. Have you seen that show? I think, it, I think it's called Shark Tank. <laughs> I've seen a bit of a couple of those uh, programs, and, and they feature a person or persons who have an idea which they want to market, and they present it to a group of investors who ask questions, and, and then possibly they make an offer to provide funding. Now, they do that. Investors do that because they believe in the product. Believing in it means a willingness to put their money into it. People who develop those ideas have already put a lot of time and money into it because they believe it. Some of them have put in everything they have. You see, if, if you care about something, you're going to invest in it. Of course, the people in the Shark Tank are hoping to make more money with the product. The investors are pretty sure they will or they wouldn't make the offer. But there are things we care about which we invest our time and our resources in which we never make a penny from. But we do it anyway. We provide for our children, don't we? Because our heart is for our children. We feed them, we clothe them, we provide for their education. We go beyond that and we give them gifts and we support their activities that they enjoy all because we love them and we'll invest in them. Of course, I know you think, well, of course, that's, that's our kids. That's what we're going to do. But aren't there other things that, that you invest in which never make you any money, only cost you, but you do it because you care about it? Some of you real football fans. I don't have a thing against that. I'm not being critical at all here. 
Well, you go to the games when you can. Yeah, I see that. You spend your, your time watching it on television. You buy things that have your name or symbol on it. See, when you care about something, you're going to invest in it. You'll put your money where your mouth is. I'm going to tell you, I have very little patience with those who complain that the church is only after their money. First off, that is not true. We may be the only place where it is not true. Everybody else likely is trying to get your money. Oh, yeah, I know there are churches out there that that's all they care about. But most pastors I know would say what I would say. If you think that all we want is your money, then give it somewhere else where you know it'll do good, but give it for the sake of your own soul that your money doesn't weigh you down into hell. If you're one of those people that complain that every time you go to church all you hear about is money, well, if that's true, then that's because that's what you need to hear. Because you are spending your money on something somewhere, and if it's not for the cause of Christ, it must be all for yourself. You know, the biblical perspective is so different. God wants your heart. He doesn't need your money. But it's a fact of human existence. Where your money is, there is your heart. Jesus said that. (laughs) And you can take that to the bank. We, we should be generous so the kingdom of God will advance. That's part of who we are. It's what it means to be a Christian. Just, just as we have a desire for the gospel to be taken to those places which don't have the opportunity to hear, and we share the good news with our neighbors. And then along with that, if we really care, well, we will pray. Look at verse 30 and following. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. Again, I know there's a lot going on here. We're not covering everything. But Paul asked for prayer so that he could make his way to Rome and from there, of course, to go on to Spain. You see, if our heart is in it, as Christians, we'll pray about it. You know, Jesus said something that I think is very important and insightful. He said that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in our heart comes out, doesn't it? We talk about the things which are important to us. And you know what else we do? We talk to those people who are important to us. And prayer is just putting those two things together. That's all it is. We love God because he first loved us, but we love him. And so we talk to him. And if we care about his things, we talk to him about them. And and again, it's a kind of a simple truth that we understand intuitively. Now, I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. It's it's not my intent to induce any guilt at all. I understand all too well the struggles we go through in this area. 
I haven't talked to my son, Bo, now for a month. Not because I don't love him, but because life happens and time gets away from us. I know the struggle. And there's a couple of things that we need to say about it. First, don't give up. Keep on trying. That's how we overcome. If we keep on keeping on, we overcome. Second, remember that prayer is a duty, but more than a duty, it's a privilege, and it's a power which changes hearts and minds and situations, and as such is one of the most important and powerful things that you can do. And finally, the third thing is to say is it changes your own heart. The more we do it, the more we want to do it. Though I, I don't think, I don't think we ever in this lifetime leave the struggle behind. So we pray, and we keep trying to pray. That's what Christians do. And we're to be generous because the kingdom of God needs to advance, both by our wanting to see the gospel taken to places where people don't have it, and as we share the good news with our neighbors. This brings us back now to those two things which are really important to you and me when it comes to sharing the gospel with our neighbors. And the first one is this. Success comes only by Christ working through us. Verses 18 and 19. Paul speaking said, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. You see, Paul was an apostle. He had seen the risen Christ. He had heard his voice and had been called by him. Signs and wonders accompanied his ministry. But the only thing that mattered, the only thing that mattered was that Christ was working through him. You and I can do nothing of importance on our own. Jesus said he's the vine and we're the branches. And if we're to bear fruit, we only do so as we remain in him. There's an old gospel hymn that says, uh, well, it says to us that we should be channels of blessing. Make me a channel of blessing today. Make me a channel of blessing, I pray. My life possessing, my service blessing, make me a channel of blessing today. It's not us. It's God through us. It's as though we're part of an irrigation system. We bring the water to thirsty ground, but we didn't make the water. We didn't design the system. We didn't provide the power for the pump. But we are a vital part of what God is doing in our world. And if you're not carrying water, your part of the field is dry. And the crops may wither and die. Remember what the last, we said the last time we were here? God made you so he could love you. And he made you so you could love him. And he made you with a purpose to do something on this earth. Well, this is part of it. It's part of the purpose that God has for you. And maybe right now, 
It'll give you a little encouragement. <laughs> you know what you ought to do. You know you cannot do it on your own, but you want very much to do it. Maybe what you need is a word of encouragement, a word from God. See, when we step out on faith, we never walk alone. We are never without power. We are always with God. When we walk in faith, others will be blessed by God. Verses 28 and 29. So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they've received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. And I know that when I come, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. You see, when we step out in faith, we step out in God's blessing and we bring God's blessing. Listen to what Paul says here. He will come in the full measure of Christ's blessing. Wow, not empty, not a little bit, not just enough, but in the full measure of Christ's blessings. If he sends you, and he does, you will have everything you need to bring Christ's blessing to others. This is better than a magic lamp or three wishes. Those things don't exist, but God does. And if they existed, the genie may be fickle, and uh, they even reach the limit of their power. They won't tell you if what you ask for is good or bad, so you might get what you want, and you and others be sorry for it. If you had three wishes, you'd quickly use them up, probably all on yourself, and have nothing left when something really important comes your way. You'd be empty and without resources. But God is all-powerful, all-wise, limitless. That is, he is infinite and absolutely good, and he will never leave us and never forsake us. And he has a plan, a way for you to go, and something for you to do. And by it, when you do it, you bless others with Christ's blessing. And this isn't arrogance. It's not presumption. Not on Paul's part or ours. It is a confidence in God and who he is. We just talked about the fact that we cannot do anything of value on our own. We need to know that first. Paul's mind turned there before he brought us here. But we are not on our own. God is with us. And he is the one who sends us. And if we go, we will bring blessing. Not everyone will respond, but we will bring blessing everywhere we go. When he sends us, God can use us. He will use us. He can use me. He can use you. He intends to bless the world through his people. So we pray. And we keep trying to pray, and we are generous so the kingdom of God will advance. And, and the kingdom advances both by sharing the good news with those near us and making sure the gospel gets to those who don't have it. That's what Christians do. That's who Christians are. I'd like to end our time by reminding you of a another old gospel song. I'd sing it if I could, but I can't. 
says this. Out in the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad. Carry the sunshine where darkness is rife, making the sorrowing glad. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Out of my life may Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. May you go in God's strength and power because he sends us to his glory. Amen.